Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, the comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Great episode for you today. Will Hines is on. Very excited about that. And if this is your first time listening, thank you. We have over 140 episodes you can check out on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We also have a free newsletter offering comedy news, tips on comedy, health, and life, inspiration, and more. We also just posted a blog on our website of every comedy festival with open submissions in October, links in bio for the newsletter, and the festival blog. And before we get to today's guest, I do want to share a couple of cool things with you. I just got back from Cincinnati with my Magnet House team, Sweetheart, which was renewed for a new season. But we were there for the Cincinnati Improv Festival, also known as If Cincy, and it was great. We met such great people. It's a really cool city. I'd never been there, and we saw some amazing teams. So thank you, Cincinnati, for showing us a good time. And the other big news is that girlfriend of the show, Justina, was cast on a new team at the Magnet. And I am beside myself. It's not just any team. I mean, this team is stacked with talent and lovely people. And two of our closest friends here, who are also on our indie team, Boyf, are on her house team. So I'm just very excited. The beginning of seasons are always exciting. And I'm really looking forward to the new lineup for Mega One at Magnet this season. So come see us at the Magnet on Wednesdays. Justina's team is performing this week at 7, and mine is performing at 9. Now... Let's get on to today's episode. I got to talk to one of the UCB greats, Will Hines. He's a very popular performer and instructor at UCB, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. You've probably seen him. He's been on Broad City, Arrested Development, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he's in the new Netflix movie, Between Two Ferns, colon, the movie. And we have a really great discussion about improv, his book, performing on Comedy Bang Bang, and just performing in general. We, we talk about how awesome Scott Ackerman's memory is. Scott Saucerman. Scott Osserman. Uh So let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Will Hines. You have been going on Comedy Bang Bang for years now, and I feel like you've been on a lot recently, which has been mm-hmm. great because you're great on there. Oh, thanks. I feel really uh, lucky to... Um Beyond Comedy Bang Bang, it kind of happened like friend, you know, my friend Sean Clemens, who does an Earwolf podcast called Hollywood Handbook, mm-hmm. um, got me on his podcast, the same episode that Scott Ackerman, the host of Comedy Bang Bang, was doing it. And so I met Scott. Mm-hmm. Then I got to do it a couple of times. And somehow Scott just likes me on the show. Um, and it's like really, really fun. Like Comedy Bang Bang is one of those kind of like um, comedy cred things, like a lot of savvy comedy fans and comedy nerds like bang bang (laughs) and so like being on it kind of like ups my cred uh maybe beyond just where like my pure acting credits are you know like i've done ucb the ucb theater forever you know like basically since the beginning um but outside of that like world you know I, i haven't always done a lot so bang bang is one of the places that's let me extend extend um I don't know, my rep a little bit, 
Yeah. And um, the show is like super fun. It's like really easy and fun to do. There's zero prep. You sit down and you almost start recording immediately. Ackerman doesn't ask to know anything before the show except how to introduce you. And it's um, it's great. And um, I think – I don't know this for sure, but I believe that I am sort of a um, – I'm on Scott's list of people who can do the show like last minute. So like if somebody <laughs> – you know, cancels or whatever. He can he can email me, and I'll be like, I'll be there in half an hour. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, I, it's rarely day of notice, but it but it has been that he's like texted me at like ten a.m. or something to come to the show at noon, and um, I'm down for that. I like being the when an emergency break glass and Will Hines will do your podcast guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I love it. It's like it's super fun. Yeah, it's super cool. I and. I have heard a little bit about the process there, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was specifically that he just asked them yeah, how he, to be introduced. He just say how to introduce you. Um, he has an you know an incredible memory, so if you've yeah he does done the character before, he'll he'll know it. I always uh, wonder mm-hmm. when he goes into those details, is he reading from something because no, his memory is insane. Yeah, he just – I think he just uh, – he does have a really good memory. I think he also just like loves doing the show. It's just like he has legit joy doing it. So he is uh, fully invested in the way that you are invested when you mm-hmm. like doing something. You know, I, mean, I think he's just – he's just down. Uh, it, that's incredible because honestly – and I, I appreciated him anyway, but I am uh, gobsmacked or whatever the word, yeah. right word is <laughs> I, that he is that able word. to recall. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, but the fact that he's able to recall some of the details that he throws out, like, yeah, it's, uh, 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 that's unreal. Yeah, they, um, for for any comedy Bang Bang fans listening, I'll tell you that the show is as cool as you think. Like it's just oh. fun people who are very casual. Everybody is. I've never I've never had even a one percent bad experience. Oh, that's and great. um, it is kind of like in a good way, like a little club. I mean, like here's the weird thing: is like, you know, I'm out in Hollywood, and I'm very conscious of like who's doing well and who's not, like who's sort of famous and who's not, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might do a show with like David Cross or something like that, or like, <laughs> or you know, James Adomian or something, and or Lauren Lapkus. Um, yeah. But everybody's just super chill. It's like. Nobody brings that status around with them when they're when you're doing it. It's it's easy and fun. Yeah. And um, you know, if I and I see any Earwolf folks around L.A., uh, I know them because of Bang Bang, and that's uh, that's really chill. It's really nice. Ackerman's like done my podcast. I have a couple podcasts which are incredibly small. They're not even comedy. I do like a I do one about the Beatles and one about um, comic books. And Ackerman is a big comic book fan and a Spider-Man fan in particular. And he came on it as a guest. Yeah, he's um, written. Uh, he's written. He's written yeah. some issues of Spidey. And so, like, he, you know, he is like a big podcast name. It's a boost to my podcast. We're also friends. It's nice to have him on. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of um, camaraderie that happens. And I dig it. I'm I'm down for it. That's really cool. I uh, love, I really appreciate work. so many people who go on Comedy Bang Bang and, and Ackerman as well, of course. And I am wondering, because I've not really heard what the process is from the character's point of view or the act, the improviser's <laughs> point of view of developing character. How much thought <laughs> is put into it, generally speaking, going yeah. in? 
Well, I'm probably a bad person to ask because I'm terrible at characters. Like what I do for Bang Bang is like I don't think what normal people do. Um, uh, it basically, I think of an occupation and I pr- and I try to think of a silly thing that that character wants to promote and then I don't think of anything else. <laughs> um, and I just try to say yes to every question asked of me and then justify it. Like okay. I have no idea where it's going to go when I start. I'll have a very slim idea of the first thing to talk about. I'll be like, all right, you know, when I get on there, I'm going to be like a motorcycle fan and I'm going to want to be talking about how I want to promote motorcycle riding across the country. And I think more people should be into riding their motorcycle, right? Like not even a comedy idea. (laughs) And I'll just, and and I'll vaguely know that I'm going to be a little bit of a dirt bag and kind of a scummy guy and, but I'll be proud of it. And I'm like, okay, that'll be enough. And then you know, people start asking you questions. They'll be like, do you only ride bikes? Do you ever ride cars? I'll be like, um, you never, they'll be like, you never ride cars. Right? I'd be like, never cars are for the week or whatever. And then, I don't know, 20 minutes go by and I've constructed an insane biography of something. <laughs> I asked John Gabris once how to do comedy bang bang. Cause he's so successful on he's it. He's so and good he, on there. Yeah. Yeah. What he told me was just have an accent and improvise. <laughs> he was like, do not prepare a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so success on Comedy Bang Bang isn't so different than success in improv in general. No, I th- in fact, I think it's a mis- – it'd be better – it's better to underprepare. Mm. I mean some people are just have a knack for having a voice and building a character out of it. But like the simpler the better. You want room to evolve. You yeah. don't want to come in with everything sewed up. Like I – you know, I think it's – you want to try to say yes and bend – I mean, that show gets real silly. Like, it does, yeah. I also do Improv for Humans with uh, Matt Besser sometimes. Right. And that, and that one is more like disciplined improv. It's more like you you do say no as in character if it breaks like top of your intelligent stuff. And, you know, Improv for Humans is kind of, I think, better improv to like like learn from. And Comedy mm-hmm. Bang Bang is sort of like more, more pure fun. And yeah, so- and you learn in a whole different – it's way. a different thing. It's like learning yeah. how to joke around with comedians <laughs> and improv humans is like how to make better improv, I think. Interesting. You, so when you, you mentioned how to say no or saying no, what exactly do you mean when you say well, like, saying no? You know, you're improvising, right? So like just stuff get stuff can quickly heighten and get out of control and you just don't want to do something that's not top of your intelligence basically. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so if I was a – I can't think of any real examples that happened. But if I was a um, lumberjack, okay, mm-hmm. who like was, I don't know, really into deforestation, like who was psyched about like cutting down the Amazon jungle or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. If that's where I was starting from, anti-environmentalist or something like that. If I'm on Improper Humans and somebody says something like – Something that makes me crazy, like, oh, so do you like burn stuff in your house because you hate the environment? Or I don't know. Do you, do you like break up styrofoam in junkyards because you hate the environment? Do you walk? You know, do you like it when animals die or something? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, of course not. That's not that's not what I'm into at all. You, you, I'd try to be like a smarter version. But if I was on Bang Bing, I would just say yes to all of it. Oh yeah, breaking up styrofoam everywhere I go. You know, I've burned everything in my apartment down. Um, today. Okay. I love it. <laughs> and, I, and I would let it get crazier. Um, I mean, they're both really fun, but like right. Improper Humans ends up 
being more you can stay in the character longer the world can last longer mm-hmm. it heightens a little less slowly this is in general sometimes in forever humans goes off the rails but like <laughs> um you know also besser was like my teacher and like right Still, when I'm in there, I'm like, I'm still, I'm sort of trying to sit up straight and do improv, quote, unquote, <laughs> right. I mean, I honestly don't think he would care, but like, <laughs> it's like, uh, why well, do I want to impress Teach? Right. Know? Absolutely. When, when it's Ackerman, I'm like, I don't give a shit what Scott Ackerman <laughs> thinks of my improv. He's a TV guy. <laughs> just because, you know, Scott was never like a teacher of mine. It's just, right. it's just a different relationship. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Whereas uh, some nerd like me would, for all of you, would be like, oh, I got to be good. Yeah, you'd um, be in your head constantly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Would be, be so freaking good. out at all times. Yep. <laughs> now, <laughs> you you mentioned, you know, sort of saying no, and that's a really great way to lay that out. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of other caveats to popular notes, because one of the popular notes is don't yeah. say no. But there yeah. are certain situations where saying no is probably the best thing to do. Um, yeah, there's, there's two general categories of when to say no. If I'm going to put my teacher hat on, right. one category is easy, and it's just like don't break the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. Like don't say yes to the point where you're doing something that's like physically impossible. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes things annoying. Mm-hmm. Don't say that you've eaten – a hundred pounds of food and mean it or whatever. Like just keep the laws of physics real. Uh And, um, I, I do that when I teach classes a lot, you know, and if somebody tries to say, you know, if somebody's like really into astrology and they're like, Oh yeah, ever since you, ever since you started believing in astrology, you know, your diabetes went away. I feel like I feel like stopping the scene. I'm like, no, that wouldn't happen. (laughs) That's not allowed to happen. Right. Um, they could they could credit their astrology with all kinds of stuff. That's allowed, but mm-hmm. I don't want the laws of science broken. Um, right. That's yeah, one there's way. Yeah, certain things. I and this is a nitpicky me problem. But if somebody were to uh, get a detail wrong, that's a real life detail. Like you know, if they say, "Yeah, Mick Jagger was great in the Beatles," then mm-hmm. I, I kind of hate when I see an improv scene where they pretend. Everyone just pretends like that's correct, but they don't – they're not that's using a little, it that's, either. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. That That's different to me. I, I think like getting trivia wrong is like okay. It, I mean right. that one's so big. If it's something that's going to be distracting to the audience, I think you have to correct it. If you say Henry Potter or whatever, <laughs> you have to like address it. You can still say yes to it, but you have to explain where's Harry Potter. The people who aren't saying yes or no to it is the thing that gets me. Yeah, if it's if it's just you have to kind of have a sense over is the audience going to care about this? But like, mm-hmm. improv people a lot of times tend to be like really big like movie buffs or just like uh-huh. media absorbers in general, and so they probably have a higher depth of knowledge than like <laughs> the audience is going to care about. Like, you know what I mean? Like they'll talk about like. I don't know. They'll mention Sense and Sensibility, the movie, and that someone will get the director. Someone will say Jane Austen directed that movie, and Jane Austen is an author, right. of course, from the 1800s, and Ang Lee directed that movie. But it's it, maybe it doesn't matter. You meant you just meant that it's a Jane Austen movie, or whatever. If somebody puts like Mr. Darcy in Sense and Sensibility, <laughs> who who cares? Like no one's even going to notice that you took a character from Pride and Prejudice and put him in. <laughs> There's a, or you know if you do a Doctor Who thing and get like the wrong 
companion for the wrong doctor. <laughs> I'm sure someone would matter, th- like, throw or, their drink at that. <laughs> There's yeah, like a nerd who would get a person, But like if the room isn't distracted by it, you're best right. to not call it out. Um, yeah. So I, I don't I don't like it when improv becomes like a trivia fest. Yeah, uh, I, and I, it, I agree with that. Um, so I'm sort of in favor of not getting stuck on those details. Again, unless yeah. it's just like distracting. Right. And the, you said like you said like Dark Vader instead of Darth Vader. I feel like that's not distracting. Dis- yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, yeah, I would say I, that would be distracting. I would call that out. I'd be like, oh, yeah, really? Dark Vader, Darth's brother. I see. Uh, I guess it is like just that. What's to, happening in that moment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If it was just sort of like, oh, clearly that person just sort of they know it's Darth Vader and they just sort of uh, mumbled through and just accidentally said the wrong thing. Then I would just let that slide, and I think we all can just sort of ignore that. It won't be in the back of your head. But to me, a distraction is when it's like everyone seemed to notice that they said the wrong thing, but nobody addressed that in any way, shape, or form, and then they just move forward, and it's still there and in the back of our heads. Right, right. That's a distraction, so you got to get rid of that. Right, right. Those are the situations, regardless of of what – you know, like, because I, I just hate um, I hate um, mindless saying yes, just like saying yes and not doing any of the work to, yeah, um, yeah, address the consequences of you saying yes. Like mm-hmm. the fun is all the adjusting, right? Exa- exactly. Like if I, say, I guess exactly. if I did say Henry Potter, the fun would be explaining why there is a Henry Potter in addition to a Harry Potter, exactly. Or whatever. Exactly. Like that's fun. Um, or if somebody mistakenly yeah. makes Hermione Green, I'm using Harry Potter because it's such a well-known right. thing. But if somebody accidentally made like Hermione Granger and Harry Potter a couple, like mm-hmm. someone who just is the most casual of Harry Potter fans and just assumes they are a couple, which they never were, <laughs> despite the shipping wishes of many fans, <laughs> um, you you could have a moment just be like, "And by the way, I always wanted you guys to get together. I'm glad this worked out this way." Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, but the other kind, the other time to say no is when the person sometimes wants you to say no. Like sometimes mm-hmm. the other person wants to be crazy. Mm-hmm. They want to offend you. They want to get a rise out of you. And so you have to say no because that's what they want. Like you're saying yes to them by saying no. Right. I was just hanging out with – I just saw my – I was I was at a wedding this weekend and I saw my brother and his son, uh, my nephew, who's three. Mm-hmm. And my nephew's at this phase where he just likes – um, being a jerk playfully, <laughs> like he kept deliberately mispronouncing my name and waiting for me to get upset by it. <laughs> like when I wasn't paying attention, he'd say Uncle Willie, Uncle Willie, and then I'd look and he'd be like, "Your name's Uncle Luli," <laughs> and he loved it. But he wants me to get mad, right? Like <laughs> I can't just say, "Yeah, my name's Uncle Luli." Like he wants me to be like, "No, what?" That's not my name. You got it wrong. And then he would like giggle like crazy and say it again. Like he couldn't wait to, he couldn't wait for me to get upset. That's you funny. Know, he protested. And I, that's the other time you say no. It's basically like, does the right. other person want you to say no? Do they want you to get upset? Then you get upset. Yeah. And another. So it's like pr- protect reality. And if they want to know, those are the two times. Right. That it's good to say no. And there's some good practical notes that are common, like um, you might hear a, a, someone coaching an eight-person team that if you're doing more than an eighth of the work, you're doing too much. And that's good practical um, 
advice or, or a theory. There are some of those times that, like, if it's a show and a scene needs to get edited and you've already edited a couple of scenes, you don't want to say, well, I've already done one-eighth of the work of editing. Like, the team still has to edit and is responsible of the pace of the show. So, right, right. You don't want to. You know, you don't want to get too literal with those. Names. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just certain caveats. I feel like sometimes, and it's. I think um, people can get too literal with some of these notes. Yeah. Yeah. You, they're all just approximations. Right. It's right. like cooking advice or something. Everything. You know. You know. Somebody said like, "Oh, you you can't have too much garlic." It's like, well, yeah, you can. You can easily have too much garlic. But <laughs> I know the the point of that advice is garlic is often good, and it's you 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 have a pretty wide margin of error of how much garlic you put in something. But you you can push it too far, and it's sort of like, you know, the, every improv note is like that. Right. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. You have to have a, you have to have a a sense over what what it's trying to do. Hmm. What are some skills that you think are maybe more understated or overlooked that mm. are Ooh, things fun. that everyone could really use more often than not? Um, boy, oh boy. Well, um, well, my mind is reeling with fun. So, oh, well, the, the way you started to ask that question, I was like, maybe what, what I think this, a skill that is, I don't always hear it put this way, but that like a major effect of doing improv is just sort of like um, deflating your own ego, mm. like not making it about yourself, mm-hmm. like help, you know, paying attention to other people and adopting a viewpoint that's not yours and changing yourself and, and not worrying if the scene, if you star in the scene and not worrying if people, if you get your way, like. I think there's a general ego deflation that happens in improv that's pretty rad. Like mm-hmm. I think people who do a lot of improv and are good at it just tend to be nicer and more chill in like group situations. You know, they're just – they're not it, – it punishes show-offs. Yeah. And so it, uh, it, it diminishes and, – and it also punishes people who try to do heroics or think that they're – it's their responsibility to fix everything. So – I would say like um, an under, I, an underappreciated skill of improv is like deflating your own ego, like walls down. Like it's a group game. You might not have anything to do in this group game. Relax. Uh-huh. You're, you're, that doesn't mean you're bad. Maybe <laughs> maybe you made space for somebody else. Like I think that's rad. But if you want like a more like underappreciated skill, I would say here's a real specific. This one's so specific it's dumb. <laughs> Here's a real useless one. I think somebody uh, makes a confession, right, in an improv scene. So, some character says, like, I've got, I have to tell you something or whatever. I, gotta, I have a confession to make. Uh-huh. You know, that happens all the time. I think a skill is hearing it and being like, you know what? I already knew that. And then immediately beginning to yes and it. N- not to undermine them. Not to, like, take – not to steal their thunder. But just so that you can immediately begin yes anding it. Right. Like, don't waste time being surprised. Mm. You know, just be like, oh, I wondered when you were going to tell me that. Um, you know, and I, that's why I made you this cake or whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I've always noticed you did X or Y or something like that. 
Um, I learned that from this group called Outlook of the Poet, which is uh, John Gabris, Gavin Spieler, and Ben Rogers. They they frequently confess things to each other, and routinely the other characters will go like, we knew that already. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm always like, God, it's so funny. <laughs> and it doesn't really take anything away from the confession. Like, this, the information is still part of the scene. Uh-huh. I was like, ooh. That's fun, baby. So I don't know. Is that a skill like pretending you already knew a confession? That's my skill that I'm saying you should be good at. Not you, but like the, the general you, the people listening. What are some characteristics of your favorite improvisers? Like things that you've noticed in all of them that are all, you know, good things to have. Um, what do I love? I love, you know, people who can like turn on a dime emotionally. They just are quick to quick to change emotions just like with a ton of agility they can go from neutral to totally happy to completely sad to to hopeful to hurt to excited just like like just from syllable to syllable if they had to they can change that energy like right away so that's a skill i really admire Mm -hmm. um a turn turns of phrase i really love like you know people who just have a knack for unique phrases or just who lo- they love words enough that they I mean I like when you said gobsmacked earlier for example <laughs> like if somebody in an improv scene was just like well I'm gobsmacked I would just be like ooh I love it <laughs> <laughs> I saw some this is years and years ago but I saw some scene where it was a bunch of policemen in a precinct and they they kept referring to the commish like the commissioner of the department, like wait till the commish gets here. For some reason, it was so funny the way they said the commish. And like the commissioner came in and he said he didn't want to be called the commish anymore. Like he felt like it diminished him and they were like really into calling him the commish. And I guess that doesn't necessarily sound like the funniest improv scene, but boy, it got me good. You know, you mentioned that in your book, uh, How to Be the Greatest Improviser in the World, for you listeners who don't yeah. know about that awesome book. And I got a kick out of it because for whatever reason that tv show the commish stuck in my head and it it just sounds funny to me too i don't know what it is i don't know what it is either like i think the show was out when i saw this scene but it was um it was just so it was just a funny thing to focus on um <laughs> uh yeah silly uh, so stuff that, like that a, in improv is so great i love words and <laughs> turns of phrase um, what else do I love? I love people who, um, I mean, I'm a sucker for a uh, great object work. I can't do it, but people who are sort of like adept at, you know, pulling a cane out and walking with it or clicking a ballpoint pen and writing on a clipboard and, mm. you know, taking a blender out and making a smoothie, all that stuff I'm a sucker for. Uh, I'm a, I do. I'm on an improv team with a guy named Jim Woods. He's really good at object work. And I'll, when he starts into it, I'll def. He he wants me to talk. He wants the scene to begin. But I'll sometimes let him go because I'm like, no, man. I'm gonna watch you make this smoothie. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I have recently wanted to do actual uh, chopping, like like preparing food because everyone does the food thing if it's like oh a suggestion of kitchen okay and then they immediately start cutting but they cut Mm -hmm. so like laser fast or something that's like (laughs) that's unrealistic um 
I want to cut in a scene the way I actually do when I'm perf- when I'm preparing Blue Apron, you know, like where I'm like terribly cutting, and I'm just like overly worried about cutting my finger. That's what I want to see in the scene because that's that's real. That's crazy. <laughs> That'd be the silly little thing that I I would enjoy seeing is somebody struggling to cut a potato up uh, <laughs> in an improv scene. Um, um, that's the that's kind of like advanced stuff when you start getting like particular about how you fry your eggs in your improv <laughs> kitchens. You know, that's like that's how you know <laughs> this person's been doing improv too long. No, yep. uh, <laughs> how long have you been in L.A.? Five and a half years. Okay, and you were in New York performing improv for how long before that? Mm, it started in two thousand, so uh, okay. thirteen years. Thirteen okay. years. Yeah, so you have have seen how UCB has grown a lot yeah. and, and you've seen changes in improv. That's correct. And also you've seen uh, people and maybe even yourself get in and out of ruts. Um, Cause mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you can go a little bit and you just need to, you talk about that in your book about uh, feel one night feeling like you wanted to quit after a show you were right, right, happy right. with. Oh man. Thanks for reading my book. That's so nice of you. Oh, well, it's no, hard I, to read improv books. I read a ton of them, and it's like I always had to psych myself up to do it. I, I was rarely like, <laughs> excited to dive back into the improv, even when it, you know they usually were good, and mm-hmm. I got something out of it. But it was you got to sort of willpower your way through these sometimes. So sometimes thank you for doing for sure. Oh no, I, I, your book is an easy read, and oh. it's it's insightful. I think it's a good one for people to check out. Um, and there there are a ton, and I have read a ton. But uh, this is definitely one that if you feel burnt out on reading improv books, this is one that you can get through and still get stuff from. Oh, good. I hope that's true. I wanted it to be something where you're already, you've already done it for a while and you need some new ideas to kind of reinvigorate stuff. Yeah, I think it's perfect for that. I think it's perfect for that. Yeah, um, so yeah, people get in ruts and um, right. I don't know. So h- how did you manage that if you went through a rut? I mean, I'm always um, – God, how do I do it? Well, um, the most obvious way is just to take a break. You might just be sick of improv. Like maybe you just need to do something else. Like take a class in something that you're bad at hmm. and you will miss doing this thing that you have some aptitude for. Mm-hmm. Um, go to see comedy of another type. Go to watch some stand-up. Go to watch storytelling or something. And like um, you just – you know, your you, your your farmland – has has grown fallow you need to rest it for a harvest season so that it so that the nutrients come back that's one way another way is um play with um do a this is easier said than done but probably you have people that you do improv with that make you feel good and they might not be your regular team so get your friends together and do improv like i just have some people who just make me smile all the time and i'll I love – there's a guy named Johnny Schwartzbein out here in L.A. And I've just – I've never done an improv show when there, where I'm not in a good mood after. Uh, oh, that's nice. And um, so I just – you know, I try to – I'll just grab those people. Jim Woods I mentioned before, Eugene Cordero. They're just people who like – I mean I, I'm pretty lucky. I, almost everybody I do improv with is pretty great and really nice. But some people, for whatever reason, I'm really grinning mm-hmm. about um, – Another way to get out of a rut some, – sometimes though, I think this is an uh, – so those are like the emotionally 
nice ways. You know, also be kind to yourself, be patient. Everybody gets in a rut, so you should wait. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I do think this is counterintuitive, but the way out of a rut is uh, work harder. Mm-hmm. Like you got lazy, <laughs> like you're, you're missing something. So probably the fundamentals, probably you need to do the fundamentals better. Mm-hmm. Stop swinging for the fences, just get a base hit, just say yes, just react. Don't try to be a hero. Keep it, keep it small. You know, find joy in the small things and get, I bet, I bet if you're in a rut that, ha- that lasts for multiple shows, you are doing the fundamentals wrong, probably. Mm. Mm. Um, and I, you know, a- ask someone you trust to watch you, someone that you know is nice uh, and not a jerk. Yeah. I've asked Sean Diston to watch me do improv sometimes and I felt like I'm in a rut. He's a, you know, terrific improviser and a terrific coach and he, we're also friends. So I know he's not going to make me feel bad. <laughs> He'll take that <laughs> into consideration when he's giving me advice, which I appreciate. That's um, like, you know, uh, give me, I'll be like, I'll be like, watch it. Just give me something to work on. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm missing. Um, it's not that I think I'm the best. I don't, but I'm sometimes blind to whatever I'm doing wrong. Yeah. But it always comes down to say yes more, commit more, react more, be more mm-hmm. truthful. It's always the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always what it is. That's some life hack level good advice, especially getting someone to just watch you in the because it's an outside. It's an outside. It's not your coach. It's not someone else on the yeah, team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's your advocate. Right. You ask you someone, hey, watch f- to help me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need something here. And uh, good yeah. advice too, because uh, I, I picked this up somewhere. Um, someone was saying, uh, give me some something that I can work on and also give me something that I can do better at. If you don't have something I could get better at, don't uh, just give me the positives. You know, like he was basically saying, I don't want you to just blow smoke. I, I want you to actually give me some thoughtful advice on what I need to get better at. And, uh, you know, I don't. Because it could be so easy for someone to give feedback and just say, "Oh yeah, and uh, everything's good," <laughs> you know, like yeah, "Oh, yeah. you're doing fine," and it's you know, it's yeah, really they the, give you a very your teammates, right? Exactly. Yeah, you you really want to get the uh, both sides of the coin there. Sean, when he watched me, told me, um, "Be more physical. Like you're standing in every scene. You know your your body language is the same in every scene." And I hadn't that hadn't even been on my radar. I thought it was right. going to be something like be more emotionally committed or um, I don't know, something else. And and I was like, oh, well, I ha- I wasn't even paying attention to that. Maybe maybe that will unlock something. I'll try it. Uh-huh. Uh, and it did feel good. You know, I tried to just be more physical the next show. And how would you advise someone? Because there are a lot of people who can't necessarily take advice well I won't say can't that's too strong of a word but maybe they have a hard time receiving mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. constructive criticism well then um, you just need confidence just like right. we're talking about getting out of ruts right mm-hmm. and you just gotta you gotta feel good you gotta like um, um, I mean here's the other hard advice the only thing that makes you feel better about an improv is doing a show that goes over well mm-hmm so do more shows because then your odds go up of hitting one that goes well and then you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Like you sort of can't think your way out of a rut. So right. 
do another show and if it's good, you'll feel better. <laughs> mm-hmm, I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, it sounds obvious, but like don't sit at home and try to analyze your way out of your problems. Like get on your feet, do a show. Yeah. You know, shake it off. I bet. I bet. Yeah. You've been teaching. A good, are you still teaching now? I know you've taught. Yeah, yeah I teach like two classes a week. I oh, that's it. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good for the, the students of L.A. I hope so. What have you seen that's changed? I, I teach them bad stuff <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> um, First thing I say is, okay, everybody, whoever is the most sexist is the funniest. All right, everybody get up. <laughs> uh, what, what have you seen that's changed uh, since 2000 when it comes to how people approach teaching improv? Well, I th- um, as an old straight white dude, I think the thing that's most noticeable is how people are more careful about offending um, like uh, uh, what's the word? Just like not the majority, like just POC women, just like trying uh-huh. to trying to be more um, sensitive about the uh-huh. consequences of like uh, boorish behavior uh-huh. um, that's that's maybe the biggest change in teaching. Like it used to be for better and for worse, both. Mm-hmm. Um, my first classes in New York were from people who had only been doing improv for like two years because the UCB had only been around briefly. So outside of the UCB themselves, nobody in the UCB community had done improv for more than two years. So mm-hmm. whoever was coaching you in 2000 was at most a two-year veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, people didn't know what they were doing. Like they, they didn't have a lot of stuff figured out. They were kind of flying by the seat of their pants. You would do a scene and they would try to express why it looked bad to them or they would suggest what they would do. It was way closer to an apprentice system. Mm. Um, there was a good side to this in that there was fewer rules in your head. It was more like kind of going by feel, but the, that that could be good. Um, bad sign was like they just didn't have as much insight as they do now. Right. Like, you know, improv was not as good back then. Huh. Um, but another sort of unintentional consequence is it was the Wild West. Like you would take a class and your teacher would give you notes and sometimes the notes would just be bad. Like they just didn't <laughs> know how to say it. Yeah. And And it was such a common occurrence that you had to just like take it. Like you didn't argue it. You just kind of in your own head would be like, well, I – I don't know what that means. Uh, I can't quite use that note, I, you know, or maybe this teacher is bad and I'm, but that's part of, that's, that was like part of the deal. Like you just had to do enough classes and practices that you would just by sheer brute force get better. Right. And it like, it meant that it was less efficient, but there was also, there was less nurturing, both good and bad to, you know, in recent years, it's more common for a student to be like, I didn't understand what you're saying. I don't know how to apply that. Or I read the individual notes you left for me. I don't know what to do with them. And sometimes I have to say, yeah, I don't really know how to put it. Like right. I accept – I don't know how to say it any better. Um, it's not that I think you should understand me, but I unfortunately don't know how to say any differently what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Um, but sometimes I they push and I and I do come up with it. So – um, and there's also stuff like, oh, I, you know, I felt very uncomfortable with how aggressive this person's character was, uh-huh. you know, they were like a toxic, bad person and it just, it bummed me out. And in the old days, it'd be like, 
well, fuck off. Who cares that you were offended? Uh-huh. But and now it's kind of more like you have to think about, yeah, would the audience be offended? Is that distracting in the same way that a bad trivia fact would be <laughs> right. distracting? Like, is every you know, or do people want it addressed that it sounds like that character is about to go off stage and torture a dog? Like, do we have to talk about that? <laughs> right, right. Um, that's kind of, I guess there's like a sensitivity that's both good and bad. Like, right, yeah. be, be aware that, that the audience is affected by, uh, treatment of like different races, genders, ages, sexuality, that they're, they're clocking that stuff. Right. And so you have to be conscious of, don't be cavalier about like. Toxic behavior, I guess. That's kind of mm-hmm. like the newest thing. Yeah, it just that used is to, thing, yeah. It also just used to be all white dudes. Like in 2001, <laughs> it was like there was no POC, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can think back and count on one hand the number of non-white members of the UCB community from like 2001. And it was almost no women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's drastically different now. It's drastically different. And so, and that's good. I mean, it was very yeah. insular. Mm-hmm. It was very just like... Like you, you could have an improv scene in 2001 where you're making fun of somebody for not being into the Beach Boys or something like that, you know, as if that's like the most ridiculous thing. It, it would be accepted by the audience mm-hmm. and the improv group. Oh, that is a suitable topic of mockery. Mm-hmm. And now it would be like, so big deal. They don't like the Beach Boys. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> so they don't have the taste of a 50-year-old man. Is that <laughs> so bad? Like, that's not even interesting. Um, in a good way, in a good way. Like, it's right. it's it's like... Yeah, there's lots more cultural viewpoints in play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's good. Like, I mean, it's still pretty. It's still pretty white dude heavy. But it, it's yeah. g- given how much it was in those days, it's way different. Yeah. Um, and so that also means that people are not always on the same page with stuff all the time. And this is also true of getting older. Like. You know, my relationship to like Leonardo DiCaprio as an idea is different than someone who's 20 years younger than me. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's that good actor kid that girls like. (laughs) And to somebody 20 years, it's like, oh, no, he's one of the biggest movie stars of all time (laughs) and an absolute institution. And he's looking puffy lately and it's sad (laughs) (laughs) or something like that. I don't know. Like it's it's like we're not on the same page with what exactly. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio means or whatever. And so it's like, that's it's going to take a little more work on stage for us to know what we're talking about. But that's kind of cool. Yeah. There's this nuance to it to where there's. A good side and a bad side to some of what we're talking about here and um it's just kind of knowing i guess the funny way to approach it but sometimes it can be a distraction the way people try to address it like someone could be acting absurd like a they're, they're playing an absurd character and they're being absurd and everyone knows that they're being absurd however there still needs to be a little more uh, wink to the audience to let them know that you're just kidding. And it's like, well, the guy's being absurd, right? Like, yeah. don't we know that if we all are acknowledging that he's being, we all seem yeah, to yeah, know that a he's Yeah, there's a time when you can, get, you can get too virtuous and it can be kind mm-hmm. of showing off. I mean, it's all a question of degrees. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what's so impressive about people who are so adept about 
kind of like addressing stuff but not addressing it too much, mm-hmm. letting mm-hmm. the audience know that you noticed it but also mm-hmm. knowing but we don't need to dwell on it any more than this or being like, oh, no, 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 now we do need to dwell on this. This is a whole thing now. Yeah. I mean that that is so tricky and it really changes from audience to audience. Um, yeah. You know, if it's a bunch of older people who haven't seen a lot of improv versus – a Herald Knight crowd, uh-huh. different things are going to need to be addressed. Right. You, you can go pretty dark for a Herald Knight crowd <laughs> and they'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a bunch of parents <laughs> in for the weekend and um, there's a kid character and the kid gets hurt, all they're thinking about is that kid. Right. Um. I just I taught improv in Ireland in June and I made fun of them because <laughs> for whatever reason, three classes in a row, I saw like five improv dogs get killed, like for comedic effect, like people just killing oh, wow. their dogs. And I was like, hey, man, I've got to tell you, if you guys ever do improv in L.A., you can't kill dogs in your improv scenes. Like it ends the it ends the scene when you kill yeah. a dog. Yeah. People hate seeing a dog get killed like you. It bet, or I, you better earn it. And they all laughed at me. They're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm curious. What is wrong with Ireland and dogs? <laughs> Why do you guys hate dogs? I mean, like, to them it was just sort of no big deal. They were just, like, trying to make somebody a buffoon or right. crazy behavior. But I was like, I don't know, well, man. Like, SNL got in trouble with the Irish because they did a sketch in the Saoirse Ronan episode of uh, an airline where, like, there are dogs everywhere and and people are like oh that's so stereotypical saying that we love dogs so much mm-hmm. um which seems like a mild thing to be uh offended by but you know everyone's sensitive because just like the how world's the streets of dublin fire. have like dogs running everywhere so it was like an irish airline that had dogs running everywhere Is it that was the something joke? i think it was like that yeah but i i saw people complaining from ireland know, who were saying crazy. like i yeah yeah <laughs> It's like, aren't there bigger problems? But yeah, so because there are also, bigger it problems. It doesn't maybe. feel malicious either. It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. feel. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't aspire for a world where we don't make fun of the Irish for liking dogs. I don't know. Like, I, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a bad example. It's not a. It's you watch yeah. old comedies, though, and you, you see which parts have aged badly and which mm-hmm. have. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's so embarrassing and sometimes it's not. And sometimes. It's bad, but you're like, well, I'm surprised it's only this bad. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I just saw Tootsie again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, which is Dustin Hoffman dressed up as a woman. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of like gay panic jokes where like he doesn't want to look gay just because he's dressing up as a woman. But in 80s comedies, the fear of looking gay was such a huge staple. That it really ages badly. But Tootsie wasn't so bad. Tootsie, Tootsie only had a couple of moments of that. And they mostly dodged it. And I was like, man, the creators of Tootsie were sort of ahead of the curve in terms of not making fun of gay people for jokes. Even in a right. movie where it's a guy dressing up as a woman. Right. Um, uh, I was sort of impressed, I guess. Yeah. No, it is interesting. Maybe I just sometimes. maybe I just didn't notice it. Maybe it's maybe it's like super offensive, and I just I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it also I guess to be pretty sophisticated. I was like, mm, yeah, right, good. right. Uh, it's it's interesting what you see sometimes, and it's like, well, what what part are they making fun of? And that's the thing that is, you know, pe- that's what's uh, sensitive. 
You know, it's when you're not sure what they're or who they're making fun of. Yeah, what's the target? Right, right. Who is that? We were talking about uh, kind of giving, taking notes uh, in, in classes. Have you noticed people just not taking notes at all or being sort of deliberately not being into taking notes or they just don't listen? Oh, um, I mean, my own I, – I, I don't care if people take notes. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes people – I actually am on the side of I think people take too many notes and you should just like <laughs> – listen and whatever sticks in your brain is what you're meant to remember. Like maybe write down notes after the class, like whatever mm. you remember. I mean, I know that sounds, that's against the grain here, but like, I mean, so I'm I the nerd I, who is taking too many notes. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if that works for you, like I'm down for that too. Like I don't ever get mad when people are on their phones typing notes. And in fact, you know, there, there was a brief window where all, um, uh, smartphones pre iPhone, they were Blackberries, which had click. They click oh, the keyboard, click, yeah. and I'd be like, you can't do the clicking. Like it just, it's distracting. Mm-hmm. But then once it was a silent keyboard, I was like, I don't care. Actually, you can be on your phones. Other teachers disagree with me heartily, but I'm like, you're paying for the class. Like, <laughs> you want to tune out and text your friend. I think it's bad, but like, as long as you're doing it so quietly that it doesn't bother anybody else, it's your business. Right. I mean, don't be mad when nobody watches your scene, like you're being a bad audience member. But <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to babysit all of you adults who are paying hundreds of dollars to sit in a room with me if you want to ignore me. That's kind of your own thing. But And and it, and uh, that's a different than notes. Notes, um, mm-hmm. I, I would never be offended at somebody. I, I would never be offended, and I wouldn't even necessarily think it was bad if somebody wasn't taking notes. Um. When I took classes, almost nobody did it. Uh-huh. So that I mean, some people did, but it was really rare. And so I, I'm just accustomed to no note taking. Mm. To me, it's kind of like taking notes in a yoga class. It'd be like, well, you should be doing poses. You shouldn't be writing stuff down. You know, you should be focused on the next time you're up. Right. Um, right. But then again, I do remember somebody took notes in a class uh, of a teacher I really liked and then put them online and I couldn't wait to read those notes. I was so excited. So they, they can be really valuable too. Right. I, I am someone who likes to take notes, but I do get in my head too much and mm-hmm. not offended by the notes, just like trying to process them fully. And that, that can be a distraction for me. So I, I do need to sort of, Take that step back. Maybe write down after class, like what I remember. You sound like um, you sound like a real cerebral person. Are you someone who like the rules fill up your head a little bit, or I'm definitely thinky, and I think a lot of my processing happens off stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but in scenes, I don't think I get too caught up in the rules. But also, like at Magnet, we're a little less on uh, a. a clear set of rules Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it doesn't i think that's another reason why it maybe doesn't clog up my my mind so much how many Um, people have beards these days at the magnet (laughs) have have beards um beards on stage how many beards on stage i used to used to be you'd walk into magnet would be like half beards (laughs) uh like lewis would have a beard still has a beard Uh, peter still has a beard uh uh-huh it's already yeah i don't i there's like Billy. If that's it, then we're beard. not so bad. Yeah, it just I, used I to be like, like beard, like beard, beard city. Beard city. 
Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, there are a few beards on Megawatt Night, but um, not a ton. Not half. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not half, I think we're good. I'm t- yeah. It got out of control for a while. <laughs> people like what, people would ask me at the time. This is you know, I'm talking like 2008 or something. What's the difference between ECB and Magnet? I'd be like, Magnet has beards. <laughs> That's um, funny. I didn't uh, I didn't know that reputation. I, I don't think it's I don't think it exists. It's only in my head. <laughs> it's only in your head. It's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, there are plenty of things that I think should be demystified about the difference between one theater and another theater or UCB. And of course, UCB is the biggest, um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, a, a subject of and, that stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. What were you, what word were you going to use? Uh, I don't know. Goliath. I don't know what I was. Well, I was going to, I was thinking like target for, uh, being compared against and, uh, and, and, well, people like to take down UCB. Not necessarily take down, but just sort of say, well, okay, UCB is this way, and what is IO like, or what is Magnet like, or the pit, or annoyance, or whatever theater, you know? And, uh, you know, and I think a lot of times in those discussions, whether they're for or not super into UCB, they kind of can be reductive. Because you hear a lot of a lot of people like UCB is all about game, but then I hear Jason Manzukis talk about studying there or read your book, and mm-hmm. you know you did didn't you you weren't someone who studied in IO and then came to New York. You studied Not UCB only, right? And you read your book. You know, someone reads your book, and it's clearly more than just game that you, that people are learning there. Yeah. And it's, For sure. and, you know, it's base reality. That's not solely game. That's um, right. There are plenty of things to demystify, but what are some of the things you think are <laughs> most in need of being demystified uh, about improv or about UCB? And Well, boy, hmm. I like, I love that question. I love it so much that it's hard for me to answer quickly. Um, well, you know, I got it, here's the trouble. I mean, UCB company man. I mean, I love it here. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been here since the beginning. Um, I, 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 okay. I'll, game of the scene does dominate our classes, mm-hmm. and to get on our teams, you have to be good at game or mm-hmm. and be comfortable talking about it. And but then, ironically, once you get on the teams, there's lots of room to not be that player anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there does come a point where that you back off of that. And, and I especially think people who do tons of indie shows find that relying on game doesn't always work in a 10 minute set, uh, late night on a stage where there's not a big audience sometimes. Uh And that sometimes you have to do, I mean, you could argue that everything is game that is funny, but I mean, like, it is not always helpful to consciously think about game of the scene and heightening it. And there's times when it is more helpful to think about a character's point of view and being invested in it or something like that, uh-huh. like a different approach. And so I guess the thing I'd be like, there's plenty of people at UCB who do not have the word game in their head when they do improv. They learned it at some point for sure. Uh-huh. And they can talk that language if you want, but... They don't. Not everyone thinks that way. 
um, I guess that's I would de- I think that UCB is way more well-rounded than you would assume, you know, especially right. at the top of the pyramid. Right. Um, uh, and improv in general, I actually do think that improv I have a kind of a I think that the naysayers are right about something, which is I believe that the improv bubble did burst like three or four years ago and contracted a couple of notches and that improv is going to get smaller in the next couple of years. I know it's going to go away and I, um, and I think it'll always be part of the American comedy scene, Mm -hmm. but I just think it reached its peak sometime around 2012 or something. And now it has retracted somewhat and it may be still be retracting and it'll go back to like where it was 2006 or seven or something, mm-hmm. which is like still pretty big. Like yeah. you got, you have second city and IO and groundlings at that time. And, uh, and I, you know, like the magnet will be around like places that have a, a that are established will, will be around, but it'll just be a little smaller and, um, that doesn't, but that doesn't mean that improv's over. It just means right. that there's been a market correction. It just got like right. too big. I mean, it's the same way that there was like a stand-up bubble burst in the mid '90s, but stand-up didn't go away. It exactly, just like kind of yeah. shrank a little bit. So it shrank, and there's smaller rooms across the country that happen, and it's more, you know, like there's so much DIY that's going on. And you bring up a really good point. What you're saying is going right into what I was going to ask about where you see improv going, and I do think the part that will that has to shrink. It's just the way the industry works is that thing that happens where casting directors are saying, we're only going to see people if they've studied at UCB. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, when that happens, when that is asked less and less of, of actors, then you'll see less actors trying to get that on their resume, which will make it shrink. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be good. Like those people are never happy anyway. Like if you're only doing it to check a box, you won't like it. So there's no point of you in having those people around. Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would look forward to that. I, I, you know, I, the core, the core of people at any improv theater are the people who just truly love it. Like you just don't have to twist their arm to show up the next night. They love it. It connects with them right away and you don't have to sell them on it. And, that's always going to be the core of any theater community and those are going to be your teachers and your main performers and they're not they're not going away you know uh-huh. they were around when no one knew what improv was and they're not doing it for their resume they're doing it because it's a sense of identity uh-huh. so future of improv yeah i think it's shrinking but i think that'll ultimately be good i think it got too big and it started to get some Fairweather fans on the edges of the community and sort of like not true believers. And we don't need them. I, I look forward to it being a little smaller and I don't care if more people ignore improv. There'll always be a core group that loves it. And that's all I need anyway. Just, right. just the, the real idiots, you know, the real zealots, <laughs> <laughs> the real crazy people like that. That's all you need. Right. And, and with the way, things have grown and changed outside of that. I mean, maybe there'll be just more avenues for improv like podcasting or YouTube channels and stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time where the biggest pastime in this country was baseball 
and it hasn't been that for a very long time now. Yeah. And baseball's still huge, you know? So Right, 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 right. It's just exactly. Exactly. It's something like that. Yeah. And there there's, you know, networks that devote themselves to talking about baseball a lot of the time. And there's an audience for them. And that will happen with improv as well, where it's maybe it becomes more of a niche thing, but there's an audience for that. And that's all you need or or for them to be able to find you. That's right. That's right. This is a great time to move over into the end where we try to create something together. And it could be born of whatever we were talking about or or an aspect of something we were talking Mm -hmm. about. I really liked what you were saying about the different ways to get out of a rut. I have a different pitch. Oh, go for it. Um, Do you want to try to do improv where we say no a lot? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because this will be hard. Like, I I think we're going to, we can't, I think we should be, here, here's my specific goal. We should each have an insane agenda, okay? And the other mm-hmm. person says no to anything crazy about the other person. Okay. Like, you, you're crazy, but you're not crazy when it comes to me. Like, you say mm-hmm. no to me and yes to yourself. Okay. So, you know, so just to keep us say, say no to me anytime I'm doing any, like hold me to the highest standard of top of your intelligence behavior. Uh-huh. Right. But not yourself. Right. So and I will just... stand for you. We're going to say okay. no to each other a lot. Okay. I'm going to be more vague. Just like I want lots of no. Lots of no in the scene. I'll just see what it does. Maybe this will be the worst scene you've ever done in your podcast. But I'm, I'm curious to try it. Okay. Um, I'm still going to say yes to stuff, by the way. It's not like I'm going to say no to everything. I'm just going to look for opportunities. Anything that doesn't strike me as real, I'm going to strike down. Okay. Should we start with a question? Sure. Okay. Uh, hey, man, let's um, let's just get wasted tonight. Let's just go to the bar, drink. Dude, that is a terrible plan. Are you crazy? That that We're getting older, man. We have to like – Slow down. Um, okay, if it happens, it happens. But I don't want to go into the night planning on just getting away. I mean, that's you sound like an alcoholic. Uh, you know what I mean? No. You sound bad. Arnie, you sound bad. No. No, I sound like the fun guy. I okay. sound like the guy who's saying, hey, let's all just – let's go out. Let's let's paint this town red. I don't know. Here, you know what I think we should – we're getting older. I think, you know, honestly what we should do is go to a nice restaurant, just us two as friends, have a nice luxurious meal and just like talk about our lives. You know what oh, I mean? God, we we no. don't talk about the news anymore. Let's talk catch up about the on the news? issues. Yeah, just talk – let's catch up on the issues of the day. I, I feel like there was a time in America when the finer me- members of society would sit around and talk about the issues of the day. Let's go to a nice restaurant. We'll get some tea. We'll slow it way down and we'll talk about our lives and the issues of the day. No, this society got away from that stuff for a reason. And and also talk about my life. That's the very reason I want to drink. Like, I, that's, the, that's the reason to get drunk. No, you're hiding from your feelings. Look, you've gone through a breakup and it was rough. I can't – the thing she said to you, that was that was some nasty stuff. I don't – I understand why you want you, – you deserve it to get drunk, but I, but that's not going to help you. Oh. You have to sit in your pain. Sit in my pain? That's that's ludicrous. What Sitting – you don't go to a hospital 
when you're in pain and say, let me just sit in it for a little bit, man. I don't, what, get, what did Nancy say to you at the end? I forget the thing she said to you in your last. The specific thing she said was, stop sleeping with my sister. You mm-hmm. are the worst human I've ever met. And I'm like, you've met That's a nasty. lot of humans. That's nasty. I mean, like you did screw up by cheating on her. But saying the worst human, like, that hurts. How am I worse than her sister? You know, yeah. like, she should be oh, the worst true. human. Oh, that's true. Her sister is the huge, the, the biggest betrayal. That's the, They've I, had a relationship way longer than you and Nancy Way longer, did. way more intimate because they were growing together as human beings. So you got I'm betrayed. You, you cheated on somebody and then, that, and then she totally cut you off. So you got betrayed. I think trying to hide your feelings in alcohol, although I understand it, that's the worst thing you should do. Okay, it, we'll go to the bar. Okay, forget the restaurant. We'll go to the bar, Good. but no drinking. No. We're going to sit at the bar. We're going to have club sodas. Oh, Maybe we'll play a good competitive game of darts. And I'll... we're going to talk it out. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you got to, bad feelings. You have to feel them or they don't go away. Come on. They, they're always there regardless if you feel them or not. And club soda isn't going to do anything unless it has vodka in it. All right. Half a beer each just to loosen the lips. Half a beer each. <laughs> we're going to share a bottle of beer? Is that We're, we're going to get one bottle of beer, two glasses, like gentlemen. Oh, we're not gentlemen. I mean, well, we're come not, on. But we could I, act like it. <laughs> um, I cheated on my, ex's, on my ex with her sister. I'm the which, less by the way. I was so impressed by that. Like you were attractive enough that somebody betrayed their sister. Yeah. That's how I see it. Well. That's, that's, that's some Don Juan stuff right there. I mean that's like legendary Lothario move. When you told me that, I was like, it's pretty cool. Well, point taken. So you'll mm-hmm. drink with me tonight. I'll have, I'll have a single drink. I will have a cocktail with you. Yes. Just just to lubricate no, the conversation. No, 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 no. You want to us to look good? You, mm-hmm. you, you're just complimenting me on looking good. You yeah. look better when drinking is involved. We got to get true. smashed. I don't think that's true. We've no, got to have a keg of peace. bad when I'm smashed. My face gets red. I've started a fight almost every time I've gotten drunk and I lose. And I hit on women in the most gross way. I, I need to no, remain. No, no, no. It's fine. all very charming. You're you're not know, seeing yourself. I don't know. It's the type of women who have gone for my uh, moves. They're these women are not in a good place, and neither am I when I when I when I say these things. Who's in like, a good place? I went up to. Um, Kelly, the last time I was at a bar and just said, you know, you want it. That was my opening. That was my opening line of a conversation. I should have been but thrown out of the bar. was it true? I mean, it seemed like it. I was making, I truly believed that. I was speaking honestly. What did she we, say? We made out by a jukebox. Ah, uh-huh. So <laughs> you were right. You know, knew like, that she knew that she wanted it. I don't know. I think that was still bad behavior. I'll have a single cocktail and I will bring an unfolded newspaper and we will go through the news of the day and we will discuss the issues. Let's read half – let's drink half of a keg, okay? A keg? A keg. Each. Each. 
And let's, too, that is an insane amount of liquid. I can't even. I don't even. I, could, I don't think I could do it. That's a, it's, you, we could totally do it. And uh, if we're going to be reading anything, it's going to be transcripts to porns. I, I don't know why you have those. I don't know why you have those. I'm just That's reading. Worst, it's just like reading the articles of a Playboy, my man. The worst part of a pornography is the back and forth dialogue. It's I mean, the I don't. Best a lot part. of that. A lot of that transcription is pretty subjective, if you ask me. Well, like you, they're transcribing a lot of grunts and noises. This, well, uh, we can bring we can bring the transcripts if you want to discuss them and what they say about society. Oh gosh, who wants to know about society? We got to know we, about. Well, we're members of it. We're members of it. We're living in it. <sighs> Let's be like Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, just discussing no, yeah. our role in society. I, let's not be like them in the sense of talking about our roles in society and be like them in the sense of getting a lot of tang. <laughs> okay, that is part of their life that I forgot about. But yeah. <sighs> two drinks. Two drinks is it. I'll have two drinks and then and then we're going – then we're going to go to a library. Mm, okay. Two hard liquors. Fine. Two hard liquors each and spread we'll out over to, not uh, fast, not uh, fast. Uh, One drink an hour. That's two hours uh, of hanging out. Uh, two drinks okay. an hour. and In one hour? In, yes. And we'll, we'll be at the bar for two hours. We'll have two drinks an hour. And we will read a Maxim magazine in a Rite Aid. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, that was fun. It's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah I appreciated that. It was great to do improv <laughs> and have you on the podcast, Will. Thanks, man. It's pretty fun. I appreciate it. And I appreciate him for giving us his time and his wisdom. I hope you got a lot out of that. I, I had a really great time. We talk a little bit about his book, How to Be the Greatest Improviser on Earth. And if you do improv, I think it's a really good book for you to read. It's a great book to read after you've had the basics of improv down. And uh, check out his podcast, Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics and follow him on Twitter at Will Hines. And don't forget to follow us at There It Is Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And subscribe to our newsletter. It's free. And don't forget about the blog post on our website about every festival you can submit to in the month of October. Links in bio for all of that. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.